Eating is such a vivid experience, and eating with others is pretty intimate. We use all five senses, sight, smell, touch, taste, and sound. All five. (laughs) What else do you use all five senses for? So when we have an experience that surrounds a meal, it only heightens the memory. Two years ago, I lost my father. It was my biggest heartbreak. When he was sick, I would stay with him. I would pass the time by asking him about cooking techniques or recipes. My dad was a retired cook, but he would say he was too tired and went to sleep. So I went downstairs to the cafeteria and I ordered a BLT. I love BLTs. I brought it back to the room and I opened the box. And the smell of the bacon filled the room. And my dad woke up. So I offered him half my sandwich. Cut it in half, cut it in half, he kept on saying. I replied, don't worry, Dad. Just eat. So I sat him up and I fed him the other half. That was the last meal I ever shared with him the two of us in his hospital room. I haven't had a BLT since. Now, if I've had this experience with food, then there must be others. So I've set myself on a journey for one year to find these people and these stories, because I think this is going to help me, and maybe this will help others too. So welcome to Taste of Regret. I'm Rosa Tran. I'm Rosa Tran, and you're listening to Taste of Regret. Joining us today is my very good friend, Andy Windeck. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Of course, my pleasure. So when did you first start cooking? I think I liked cooking as a kid, but I was also a very picky eater. Uh, I liked cooking in the extent of, like, I liked the process. I liked the idea of it. I liked, you know, certain things. Like, I, my one of my favorite things to do as a kid was actually bake bread with my mm. dad, which... It, you know, seemed like such an extensive project because of all the time. And time, of course, when you're a kid is much longer than when you're an adult. So nowadays it's like, oh, you know, make some bread, whatever. When you're a kid, it's like it's an eternity to like wait for it to rise and all that kind of stuff. But it was just so rewarding when you would pull a hot loaf of bread out of the oven mm-hmm. and eat it still warm. And that, you know, was just so much fun. So yummy. It's like, a, it's like a warm hug and a blanket all together. Yeah. yeah. And I think I kind of like caught on to that and the idea of like, oh, you can put in all this effort and make something that's really extraordinary. And even just the experience, the process of making it is extraordinary too. Like, because you created this thing out of, you know, essentially nothing, I suppose. And uh, it wasn't until I, you know, moved away to college that I sort of discovered my own pathway for food. And of course, you know, it sort of, you know, 17 year old moving out of the house, going to school and sort of making their own decisions to become the sort of hippie vegetarian at the time. <laughs> and you only became a vegetarian because the food options in the dormitory were terrible for the meat eaters. Yeah, I, I found that was the case. But I think I always had like a little bit of a, a vegetarian at heart kind of syndrome. Vegetarian tendencies. Yes, vegetar- vegetarian tendencies. <laughs> How was the cooking at home, the cooking situation? I mean, my mom was not a great cook. I think, you know, 
it was it was and and I think that we were also kind of victim to the '90s notion of health food, which was not health food at not all. It was food. like, oh, we're going to use margarine. Uh, you know, yeah. I, 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 it was it was corporate marketing health food. I don't I don't think you know like chicken breast margarine. Uh, my favorite food, my favorite meal was like this weird, like coupon clippers recipe for, it was like stovetop stuffing. Yes. Stovetop stuffing. Chicken breast. Yes. Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. I don't know about that. With Swiss cheese melted on top. It was a casserole. And that sounds amazing. I've never had that. It's like, it was my favorite meal, even though like, I think I was like deathly afraid of mushrooms at the time, which is really weird because I love them so much now, but like cream of mushroom soup. Okay. Well, let's just ignore that that has mushrooms in it. But even though I like this dish, it still was like most dishes always doused in ketchup, always doused in ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) So at home, what was the, your most unfavorite dish that your mom made? Uh, it was definitely this, I couldn't even stand the smell of it. This like pork loin roast with maple syrup. I could not stand the smell of it. I, I think I've tasted it a couple times. It was dry. It was overly sweet. It just had this weird, like off flavor to it. That was just, yeah, I can't. <laughs> was there like stuffing with it or anything? There was usually or? like the Uncle Ben's wild rice blend, which, you know, felt kind of classy at the time, maybe. Like, crazy like, Uncle Ben's. Yeah, Crazy Uncle Ben's throwing a little bit of that wild rice in there, <laughs> making it fancy. <laughs> What's your mom's name? Uh, my mom's name was Pat. Pat Bielkowski. <laughs> That's an awesome name. Yeah. <laughs> she kept her maiden name, which at the time was like so unusual. Um, and I guess now it doesn't seem that unusual, maybe because I live in a big city, but, yeah. uh, you know, like the kids at school would be like, oh, Mrs. Windak, Mrs. Windak. It's like, no, it's Bielkowski. She's like, get it right, kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she worked at the hospital in the university? Yeah, she was a nurse at the university hospital. She actually worked on the weekends um, while my dad worked during the week. So that's that's kind of how my dad would would be like the cool cooking projects. Cause on the weekend he'd be like, Oh, let's make lasagna. Let's bake bread. Like let's do those kind of things. Well, my mom was at work. And then when she'd come home from work, be like, look, we look, mom, look what we made. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it was fun. Uh, yeah. So she worked primarily in adult psychiatry, um, which she didn't talk about it a whole lot because I think, you know, she actually really liked it. Um, but it's definitely kind of a hard place to be in to like see a lot of like severe mental illness. Mm. Yeah. And so when she started getting these symptoms and started feeling ill, she just thought it was. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a weird, it was the summer after my freshman year and my mom like started kind of feeling down and she thought it was depression because she had seen a lot of cases of depression in her work life. And she's like, I, I, I know what the symptoms of depression are and I'm pretty sure I'm suffering from it. And I was like, Oh, are you sure? And she's like, yes. She diagnosed herself. <laughs> she self-diagnosed. Yeah. And you know, I guess if you're a medical professional, you can sort of do that. Right. Um, <laughs> whether or not, you know, it's, that's a conflict of interest. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder is like, is your doctor their own doctor or do they go to another doctor? <laughs> yeah. Well, how are you supposed to check? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you've got a probe somewhere, how are you going to do it? You're going to look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, she sort of made this self-diagnosis. But the symptom that didn't really make sense was this sort of weird forgetfulness. And also, like, she would, like, empty things out of the dishwasher. Like, I remember this Parmesan cheese grater ending up under her pillow 
in the bedroom. Which, and she had no idea. And she had no idea that she did it, and she didn't know why she had done it. And, you know, there's no logical reason. And that's kind of scary. And then she started having a lot of, like, nausea and, you know, migraines and stuff. I've, I remember this, particularly this one Fourth of July, where we went to go see fireworks, and she just had the worst headache. Mm. Um, and it was also weird because where we were sitting, all the ashes from the fireworks were raining down on oh, us, no. which I've never experienced before. It was very bizarre. Yeah. So yeah, all these strange symptoms. And then it just kind of got worse and worse. And then one day she literally couldn't get out of bed because she couldn't move half of her body. Were you there or were you at school? I It was the summer. So I was at home and um, I was kind of part of this like summer, like extracurricular filmmaking group at school. And we actually had a film shoot, uh, you know, scheduled for that day. And I was there in the morning. And I remember seeing my mom being like wheeled out into an ambulance. And, you know, it was crazy, but I was like, I'm not going to, you know, cancel this film shoot. So I went and we, you know, we're actually, <laughs> we were filming in a pizzeria, which was funny. And uh, I remember when we had wrapped for the day and we were like putting the camera and stuff away at the office. And that's when my dad called and said like, you know, yeah, they did a, an MRI and there's a large brain tumor. What can you say to that? You know, right. you don't expect it at all. It's one of those things. And you kind of have to surrender to it. You yeah. kind of have to say like, okay, now what? The way the brain tumor affected her was so quick and so dramatic. Like, you know, from going from being like, oh, I just feel a little bit depressed and have headaches to like literally can't get out of bed, literally can't you know, can barely talk, can barely comprehend things. And so it almost was like, I want to be there, but I don't want to like, it's like, I, I need to be there at an amount that, you know, there's only so much I can, I guess to say that there's only so much you can do. It's like the situation is what it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to focus and throw myself into my schoolwork in a way because, you know, it's like you're not, you're so young you're so young. It's like how are you supposed to even process this? Yeah, yeah. I guess sometimes it's like sort of like an escape. I know a lot of people sort of do that, where like you know, yeah. oh, there's work. You you can distract right. yourself and like not think about it as much. Um, and you know, but I, I I still wanted to be there. And then the weekends and stuff, I would make sure to like you know be there. Um, and then eventually, of course, like you know after several brain surgeries and radiation and chemotherapy and all that kind of stuff, like this tumor just would not quit, like keep growing back no matter what. And it's all just very hard on the body to like, you know, do all these treatments. And at a certain point, uh, you just kind of have to give up. And it's, I remember, you know, like I was there at that oncologist appointment when he basically very coldly said, like, we're going to, you know, cease, treatment because it's not working and she she moved home to for hospice so she got to spend you know the the end of her life in her home um at a hospital bed in the living room and so i would you know still focus on school and and come home when i could um and yeah so it was there was a point where she kind of stopped eating um partly because you know I'm sure she didn't have much of an appetite and also it was kind of hard to do anything physical. Really. I think she could sort of move like one of her arms. Um, but there was an entire half of her body that just basically didn't work anymore. And, 
uh, you know, my dad was such a, a champion for like basically stopped working and completely was a, a caretaker. And like, you know, I mean, it was hard like yeah. to see your, your spouse just like completely deteriorate and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, and to have to do all the physical work of caring for that person, like to the bathroom, the shower, like right. trying to get them to eat anything and take them these medications and whatnot. Um, so I just, I don't even know why I, I felt like doing this, but I felt like I needed to do like one last, you know, like act of something because you feel so helpless. Right. You feel like there's nothing you can do for this person that you care about so much and your hands are tied. There's like nothing you can do. So I thought like, Oh, I'm, I'm I just want to like make cook something like, and again, at the time, like I said, I was experimenting with this vegetarian thing. And when you're a vegetarian hippie college kid, <laughs> my this hair guy. was my hair was also almost down to my shoulders at this point. What? Because <laughs> uh, you're like haircuts. Who needs haircuts? Hippies don't get haircuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like you want to convince everyone else that vegetarianism is the only way, and that it can also be great. Like vegetarian food can be great, and you know beyond that, I wanted to prove that like oh, I'm developing this interesting interest in food, and I love making great food, and I want to show you that with. Not just my mom, but also my dad. I wanted to show to right. him, like, hey, like, I can, you know, do this. Um, I can take care of myself. Yeah, I think so to speak. That's really insightful because I think that maybe part of it was I wanted to prove to myself, prove to my mom that I can take care of myself and you don't have to worry. And I think I may have literally said that the last time I saw her was like, don't worry. Like, you've been a really great mom, but I don't want you to worry about me. Like, I don't want you to think that you not being there will mean that I will struggle. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's really, it kind of was like approving to say that, like, you know, you did it, you raised me like here I am. And so, yeah, I, I thought like, I'm going to make this meal. And I, at the time I was also really into the show, um, uh, good eats on food network because, we didn't have cable growing up. So like when I finally had like college, uh, in, when I finally had cable TV in my dorm room, it was like, Oh, Oh goody. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I somehow, I somehow managed to, you know, do well in school and not just watch TV all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was this episode, uh, where Alton Brown makes these split pea burgers, um, sort of like, mashed up split peas with kind of blended with breadcrumbs or something into like a burger patty. So I, I remember how I made them once before and was really into them. And so I thought like, okay, this is what I'm going to make. And you know, you can't just stop at the homemade veggie burger. No, no, no. You have to, you got to make the buns from scratch. You got to do all the like, you know, caramelized <laughs> onion and all those good stuff. So I had made these, I'm going to say they're brioche, but I don't know if that was technically true but they were like close enough in my mind the most perfect hamburger buns i've ever made and will ever make i don't think i've ever done better you know when you make burger buns and they turn out like flat hockey hockey pucks because something went wrong (laughs) these ones were perfect had a great rise the perfect golden mahogany like egg wash on there yeah probably some like poppy seeds or something Mm. they were perfect my mom, she had not eaten in, in, like, over a week, like, anything. Maybe had some water. And she ate, I think, 75% of that veggie burger. Like, just ate it right up. No problem. 
No question. She ate it herself. She just ate it. Did I think she barely needed any like physical help from my dad. She she picked it up and she couldn't talk at this point. But I think she may have tried to mutter out something when she was finished eating. Because I knew she she could still taste it. She could still comprehend it. And maybe even if she couldn't actually physically taste it, she could enjoy it. She could physically eat that and like get pleasure from it. And, you know, that's also part of part of what I wanted to do is like, how can I bring a moment of pleasure and my mother's like last days, you know? And how long ago was that? So this was in 2006. So a long time ago. And of course, uh, when she finally passed, it was, you know, expected because we knew it was coming. But of course I got the call at like four in the morning so I, I knew and, you know, like I actually strangely didn't really tell anyone. Um, and I don't know why. Uh, I think, you know, when you're still figuring yourself out and getting over that like social anxiety, which college definitely helped with, um, like you don't want to open up to people. You don't want to you don't want to feel like people need to give you like special attention or too much sympathy because you're like, well, this is something that happens. It's right. happens to a lot of people like, and you know, losing a parent is part of the natural order of things. You better than having it the other way around, I suppose. So have you thought about that dish ever again? You know, I don't think I've really ever thought about it since then. And it's weird because I really liked that dish. Like I, I think, and it's not like I, I had this like negative connotation with it all of a sudden that I didn't want to ever taste that or cook that again. Like, you know, when people have like food poisoning and they're like, oh, I can never touch that food that gave me food poisoning again. No more shrimp fried rice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's a, a burrito, a, a lingua burrito from Cactus. <laughs> you can't say the place. <laughs> uh, and, lingua tongue? Yeah. Ew. It serves me right, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I just, I think maybe I had just closed the chapter on that dish. Like, it was like, all right, I made it. This was like the definitive experience of that dish and can never make it again. Yeah. (laughs) But not even like in a a conscious way. It was just subconscious. I just moved on. Yeah. And that's kind of what you have to do. You kind of have to move on sometimes and find new experiences and new flavors and new people. Yeah. Well, I made that for you today. Oh, wow. <laughs> you did? Yeah. It looks beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a professional cook. <laughs> but uh, give it a taste, and, and we'll see if it's going to jog any of your memories. Or All right. This is going to be messy. <laughs> I did put mushrooms on there. Balsamic mushrooms and basil. This is this is Rose's version. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because it actually it does take me right back, like that flavor, because it is very distinctive. Like, yeah, it, I'm actually shocked because I didn't think it would as much as it did. Yeah, and maybe because I haven't had it in a very long time. I mean, of course, it's different because it can never be the same as it was. And of course, you made it. It's, it's, it is sort of different. Yeah. You kind of brought your own sort of spin to it. Yeah. I'm sure if I 
if I were given like a plate of her like meatloaf or something, it wouldn't be as fond of a memory because it was sort of like what was forced upon me and not what I decided to create, you know, in opposition or out of, you know, love and trying to do something, trying to create my own story. So yeah, I think, I think this is like my fondest mom food memory because, you know, it's something we sort of created together, I suppose. Yeah. Now you have these fries on the side and those would have definitely been doused in ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it it really does take me back to the moment because I, it it's although I don't remember all the details. Like you brought out these side dishes, and I honestly don't remember exactly what I had for side dishes, if at all. Um, but it's still like visually a very distinctive meal for me. Like if you think about how many thousands of meals we have in our lives, like how many of them do you actually visually remember? Describe it to us. I mean, I think it was in the afternoon. It was sort of, I don't know if it was a lunch or an early dinner, but I remember there still being daylight. And I just remember sitting in the dining room. I remember, you know, it all kind of looks the same-ish, but, you know, I remember my mom being wheeled in, in the wheelchair. And, yeah, I do remember biting into that veggie burger and thinking, yeah, I did a good job with this. <laughs> and I think... That was satisfying to know, like, the last meal I could make for my mom, which was literally her last meal, was good, that it was satisfying. And I think that's what we all kind of hope for, that, like, we can have our last meal be a good meal. Thank you so much for uh, being on our very first episode. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. And I'm definitely going to be finishing the rest of this <laughs> Slippy burger, and it may make it back into my repertoire uh, very soon. <laughs> we spend our lives preparing for events and moments. The SATs, a big meeting at work, dinner for our families. But one thing you can never prepare for or ever want to prepare for is the loss of a loved one. And when they leave us, we are left with these special moments that we carry with us every day.